Hello, I'm Portia Parker Griffin, and I want to welcome you to the Career 101 podcast, a place for ambitious professionals and seasoned executives who want an edge in their career. We're talking about all of the things you were never taught or told when it comes to career growth, development, and change. Now, let's get into it. Hello, today we are talking about entrepreneurship and turning your passion into a business with Amanda Hamilton. Amanda Hamilton is the founder of Amanda Hamilton Fine Art. Amanda is a self-taught artist that found her way via a roller coaster ride through corporate. She paints oil portraits on a commission basis for her clients, as well as original work that inspires her. In addition, Amanda is one of those people that I met years ago and I just instantly liked uh, because I could tell that she was unique in this really great way. So we are excited to have Amanda with us today. How are you, Amanda? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Portia. I am very honored to be here. You have always inspired me and the sentiment is the same. I liked you instantly, and I'm just so proud of your journey and how you've grown your business, and I'm excited to listen to your podcast episodes. Great, great. Well, I'm going to share you with the whole Fly High Coaching community and the Career 101 podcast community, but First, before we start digging into entrepreneurship and your business, I want everyone to just get to know a little bit more about you. So tell me about seven-year-old Amanda. Uh, It's funny that you ask about seven-year-old Amanda, because I used to say as a child, like all my elementary school and middle school years, that that was my favorite year. And I know lucky number seven seems cliche, but I feel like that's also my lucky number. Seven-year-old Amanda was on a swim team. I was in public school at the time and I was loving life. I was, it was, I was mostly introverted and a little shy through a lot of my childhood, but for some reason, that era of my life, I was really outgoing. I was friends with everyone in the class. My favorite time was lunchtime and recess, but not, you know, for reasons that I feel like a lot of just taking a break from school. It was because I loved being around the other kids and getting to know them and getting to know what life was like in their families and what they enjoyed doing. Yeah, I really enjoyed being on the swim team as well, even though that's kind of an independent sport um, as an individual. I really enjoyed the swim team and the competitiveness of it. I enjoyed the focus, even at a young age, I remember feeling really inspired and motivated by my ability to focus and improve myself and my strokes and skills in the water. In the yeah, that is great, Amanda. That's great. I mean, I'm, I'm an introvert too. So we've, we've got <laughs> team introvert today, but also when you mention competition and the swim team, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but one fact that they talk about with a lot of salespeople and also entrepreneurs, a lot of times they have some kind of athletic or sports background to the point of, you know, that mental discipline and being competitive and you know, that kind of sets people up a little bit sometimes for being an entrepreneur. Mm, Wow. I did not know that, but that does make sense. That makes a lot of sense. I definitely see I'm starting to get now I'm recently married. I'm trying to take an interest in my new husband's love of sports. He loves all sports. Thank Uh you. And I've talked about this before (laughs) another um, common thread between us, our husband's loving sports. And so As I have gained an interest in these sports, I see a lot of similarities in working with people in business as a team and being able to focus and finding sources of motivation and uh, the mental aspect. It's not always just physical in career or in the sport. There's a lot of uh, mental work that you have to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me if we go back to seven-year-old Amanda, what did she want to be when she grew up? 
seven-year-old Amanda wanted to be a nurse or veterinarian. So I love pets and animals and I really loved caring for people. I just wanted to be in a nurturing, caring role. I always wanted to be a mom as well when I was a kid. Um, So I think maybe those two things went hand in hand. I just really wanted to be a nurturer, help people, heal people. So yeah, but that changes a lot as we grow, right? It changed a lot, but that was what I wanted to do when I was seven. I love it. I love it. So tell me about your first job, Amanda, if we fast forward maybe 10 years from seven or so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, I love these questions. So my first job in high school, my first real job where I had tax forms and all was working for Brewster's ice cream. I was a super scooper. So that was, that was easy. And I felt like I adapted well, and I enjoyed working with the other teenagers that were super scoopers. And, uh, it was pretty easy to adapt and learn. I mean, the most difficult thing at Brewster's was making milkshakes. So that was pretty Mm -hmm. easy. And before that I worked for my dad though, he had a landscaping business. Um, my mom handled the bookkeeping and as he started to get more clients and grow, Uh, She brought me in and I helped with the taxes and writing invoices. And I would even go out on the job and help him physically sometimes with the landscaping jobs. It wasn't something that I got to do by choice when I was a kid, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for that experience. I think I probably did complain a lot back then. Sorry, mom and dad, (laughs) but I feel like having, I feel like learning from them and having that experience really helped me today um, and made it feel easier today. Yeah. Cause yeah. I could do it as a kid. So how, why would I not be able to do it as an adult as well? Exactly. Exactly. From uh, the tax forms with the landscaping business to super scooping. I mean, that's a lot of great experience, Amanda. My first job was uh, in Wendy's. I was a cashier and a fry girl. So I understand uh, the, the food, fast food, not ice cream, but there were Frosties, I guess. So pseudo ice cream, right? Yeah. Oh, Frosties are so good. And there's something special about I know, you know, as adults now, we're like, oh my gosh, we would never want to put on like a, you know, fast food or franchise uniform, but I was so proud of it as a kid. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking of you and your cute little Wendy's outfit. And I had like my Brewster's shirt, you know, collared shirt with the logo and the apron. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling so proud of that uniform. I was like, I'm an official businesswoman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. You're to your point. Back then, Wendy's their shirts had collars too. They don't have collars anymore, but they used to have okay. collars too. Yeah, cool, cool. So, if we progress a little bit throughout your career, just tell us about some highlights or pivotal moments that you had in your career. Yeah. So, are you talking? So, I'm. Um, do you mean in my current career as an artist or my past careers? So we'll start, I guess, with your past careers and work up to your business now. Okay. So my, my earliest remember, uh, memory of a pivotal point in my career, right when I graduated college, go dogs, both UGA yes. along here. I, I worked for a magazine that I was working for in college. So while I was in college, just to backtrack a little bit, I worked for Passport Magazine in Athens. So I was making just commission on the, the ad sales that I was selling. I tried waitressing for a little while, but I found that I was able to make more money by Uh, just selling the artwork for ads for this magazine in Athens. So I did that for a few months right after graduation because I was able to, you know, pay my bills and take care of things while I was in college. And so once I went full-time, I was able to make a lot more. And then I was like, well, it's time for me to get out of Athens and and move to Atlanta. So I did. (laughs) I was like, well, I've got to get a job right away to be able to afford to live in Atlanta. I treated finding a job like my job. And that's advice that I give to anyone that asks about, you know, looking for a new job or someone that's young and just getting started is so I would wake up every day and I would 
dress myself like I was in a sales position or I was a businesswoman and I would get started at 7.30 or 8 a.m. and I would go cold calling on businesses asking them to hire me just like I did when I was working for the magazine and cold calling on restaurants and uh, stores and boutiques and salons asking them to purchase ad space for the magazine. So there's one business, uh, it was like the City Grid, Yellow Pages, Urban Spoon Conglomerate. Um, they had posted online a job description said it requires four years of uh, professional sales experience. Digital marketing was pretty new at the time. And so I was like, wow, I'd really love to, you know, I was selling ad space, paper, um, you know, tangible marketing. I'd really love to get into digital marketing. Uh, I'm going to go knock on their door. That's on my list for the day, along with several other businesses. So I get to this uh, building and the lobby. You need to scan to get into the lobby. So, okay, how am I going to do this? Follow some, someone, let me in. I, I guess it was great that I was dressed the part. I looked like a businesswoman in my, um, my skirt suit set. And went to the, took the elevator up to the floor that City Grid Media was on. And I knocked on the glass door. Again, you needed to be able to scan, but there wasn't as many people going in and out of uh, that lobby. So I knocked on the door and one of the salespeople opened the door and she said, can I help you? And she looked really concerned. And I said, yes, I'm here to speak with the the gentleman, the HR manager um, about the position that he posted online. And she was like, oh, I thought you were an angry customer. <laughs> I mean, they're just, no one is like visiting this you know, space, you know, um, unless it's someone that they know on their sales team or the account managers. And she said, one moment. Uh, and so she went to go get him and he came to the door and he said, oh, did I have you down for an interview? And I, you know, did I miss it? And I was like, no, I just wanted to come introduce myself and show you some of, you know, the ad work that I've sold. I brought a stack of the magazine so I could show him the type of businesses that I've sold. And he was like, wow, you came and knocked on the door <laughs> because I knew that my resume would get lost in, you know, if I'd submitted it online, just like I'd seen, you know, other businesses express that to me. So he had the director come and meet me at the door. And she, um, I have so many great stories about her. Probably don't have time in this this episode to discuss them. I'll have to come back and tell you about um, some of the things that she taught me. Mm -hmm. But she came to the door and she said, did you really just cold call on our business to ask for a job? And I said, yes, ma'am, I did. And she said, get in here. (laughs) (laughs) So she had me, she was in there. She was like, I can't stay to talk to you, but I do want you to, so she had him, you know, quit what he was doing and talk to me. He was like, how old are you? You know, do you have any experience? I was like, I have a year of experience, but look what I can do. I would love to have this job. So, uh, she had me come back the next day and meet with her. She's like, I never interview our candidates. I'm, you know, she was the leader of the company for that office. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, selling in Atlanta is not like selling in Athens is a lot more cutthroat. It's going to be a lot more difficult, but I like you. I can't believe you came and locked, knocked on our door. I've never seen that in my life. And I have been a briefcase carrying saleswoman forever until I, you know, started climbing the ladder. And I was like, well, my dream is to be you. <laughs> I, that's what I want to do. I want to be a corporate sales. I want to be a saleswoman. I want to climb the corporate ladder. And so I'm so honored that I get to sit here with you. And will you please let me show you what I've been able to sell, you know, even without so much experience and I can do it. You know, I know Atlanta. So she said, all right, well, we're going to give you this job, but it's going to be tough and you have quotas and, you know, it's, and she was like, you know, let me talk to the HR manager. So I went home, he called me the next day. He gave me my, so remember, I was only making a commission on Mm -hmm. the ads that I sold in Athens. He calls me and I'm on a little place, you know, like, oh my God, how am I going to, you know, pay my bills next month? And he says, we'd like to make you an offer. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you know, I didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, understand at the time, like saying yes or no, or negotiating. Mm -hmm. He told me the base and I panicked. I was like, oh my gosh, 
you're giving me a base. It, he, it was a 40 K base. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's so fun. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh my goodness. And he was like, plus it'll be 40 K plus commission. And I was like, plus commission. Oh my gosh. I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll never forget that moment. I was so grateful and I was so excited and I thought, you know, I had made it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot. I, got, I had professional sales training and, and I was there with the big dogs mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as I considered them because they were all mostly 10 years older than me, at least um, the salespeople. Uh, so yeah, that was a real blessing for me to, to get into a um, job that requires a little bit of experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. That that's a great story, Amanda. And there are so many, I think, nuggets in that story. Mm-hmm. There are two that I really just want to highlight for everyone listening. The first thing that you can pick up from Amanda is the courage that she had, right? The courage to cold call these businesses looking for a job, the courage to just show up, right? (laughs) And then also how she treated finding a job like a job. So in a lot of the webinars that I do, and in a lot of the coaching sessions that we have, courage is just a vital part of that. So I want you to kind of hear that in what Amanda was saying. And then the second thing that I wanted to point out was how grateful she was for that first job, right? For that opportunity. And then also for the training that she got. A lot of times people kind of want to get so they want to go far really fast and you can do that, but you really want to be grateful for where you're at because there are lessons in everything. So Amanda just, she, she dropped a lot of gems for us listening right there that I hope you guys caught. Uh, and we definitely will have to have her back at some point. So Amanda, I want to know what was a significant accomplishment in your career before you started your business? So a significant accomplishment in my career before I started my business. So I, I think that was one of my ones I was most proud of um, was my ability because I think that taught me how to it would I I think it taught me to just what you said like it gave me that experience gave me the most perspective going forward um, because I did meet a lot of people that were older than me that you know I was surprised to see but they weren't grateful for what they had. There were a lot of complaints, but I feel like I was doing well and and making president's club and winning monthly awards for, you know, exceeding my quota because um, of my attitude towards it. And I genuinely was grateful because I didn't have, you know, it's just, you know, past experience and past perspective I didn't know any better, really. Mm-hmm. I was grateful because it was it was the best that I had received. And I was making more money at that point than my family ever had. And I remember calling my mom and telling her, and she was like, wow, you are making more money right out of college than your dad ever made. We ever pulled in from his business. And she, I think it scared her a little bit. Like, what are, what's going on there? But it was mm-hmm. just not in our realm of perception now, you know, that's small fries. And, you know, I hope my future children and people that I know and love will be able to have experiences so that they can have bigger goals. So as I expand my experiences, I do create bigger goals for myself because you don't know what's out there until you have that experience. Yeah. Within my career, I will also say, so that director, when she left to go to another company, like I said, I'm not going to give any names here, so I don't want to incriminate her because uh, she was not supposed to, I don't they are, there's a word for it, but she's not supposed to steal employees from her past there. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, um, so she, she did reach out to me with just like a little comment, which I, I, I understood what she meant. She wasn't asking me to come over. Um, so I applied and I came to where, to her new company, which was, um, credit cards rewards. So selling credit cards rewards, basically. And it was, um, telesales. It was totally different than being in the field. Mm-hmm. And she knew that a lot of the salespeople that we had a telesales department, 
at that first company. Um, but the field salespeople, they were like, I would never sit in a cubicle and make phone calls. Like that was way more difficult to them. But I saw the two as equal for some reason. So sometimes even though I was a field sales rep, I would sit in my cubicle and make the calls because it was like, I'm going to get a lot more quantity today. And especially if it was a hot day or something, I was like, I'm more comfortable sitting in here in the air conditioning. I'm going to touch a lot more leads. The, you know, yes, the close rate or the success rate of getting in touch with someone is less on the phone than in person, but sometimes it's just nice to change things up. And she knew that I had, you know, that attitude. So she was like, I know this is, you know, full telesales because you're going to be calling into other cities, but we'll, you know, compensate you well, and there will be incentives. So that was another cool moment to have mm-hmm. the director who then became the VP of the, of the new company want me to, to follow her. So, and still, again, I was the youngest rep there by like definitely the youngest rep by a few years at the new company as well. And then from there I had, um, I worked at Groupon for a little while. They just gave me an offer that I, I couldn't turn down. Um, some people that I'd worked with at the first company uh, had gone to Groupon in other cities and it was completely remote and they knew of me and recommended me. So the scouts called me at Groupon, asked me to come um, join them and uh, gave me a great offer. And I was fully equipped to operate out of my house and, I could call like make uh, telesales from the house, or I could um, call on businesses in person here locally in Atlanta. And I remember landing huge accounts, Studio Movie Grill, and that was awesome. They National eventually took that away from me because Studio Movie Grill is a national account. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like that's not fair because I'm taking care of this account, mm-hmm. um, and I've expanded this account. And there are some other, you know, Studio Movie Girls opening up, and they said we've got a Studio Movie Girl opening in Texas. Can we, mm-hmm. you know, run our group on with you through? I was like, yes, of course. So I, as soon as I put in that purchase order for the um, studio movie grill in Texas, they're like, all right, you're operating like a national rep and you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so just some really cool moments that is fun. They're fun to reflect on that. I, I can do it. You know, just some, you know, whenever I feel like I'm in the trenches, just to look back and know, you know, you did it. It's, it, I think, Um, A lot of people will, they very easily worry about the future constantly or very forward thinking, which I think is a great skill. I personally think that's a great skill in an entrepreneur, but I also think it's very important for that future goal setting to understand your wins in the past. So, because it gives you that confidence and you know, you have the mindset to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Confidence and mindset definitely, I'm sure, came into play as you were making those changes. Because one thing that you did, as you were just kind of telling us a little bit about your progression, is you had the confidence to make those changes. Uh, Sometimes people feel stuck or they just don't feel as though they have what it takes, right? To really lean into a new job or a new opportunity. And it sounds like you just really move forward. So that's, that's great, Amanda. That's absolutely great. So I want to ask now, yeah, about uh, some challenges. What would you Mm -hmm. say has been your biggest career challenge so far? I would say it's, very similar to what you were just mentioning about confidence and mindset. I think it is consistency is the key. I feel like that has been the hardest part um, because sometimes I do want to change things up, but I think that it's very important to stay consistent and also have a really good grasp and on my mindset have a lot of clarity around my mindset and my goals and what I want and that I'm working towards that. I would say, I mean, this, it's fun to work on my mindset, but it's also a challenge. It's the hardest thing and the easiest thing at the same time. So mindset is so important because if I am not giving my best self to my clients and my work and even my business internally, I'm not going to give quality work. I'm not going to be as productive. I'm also, uh, if I don't take time to step aside and have an aerial view, like step outside of my business, 
um, especially as a solopreneur. I think it's sometimes really tricky as a solopreneur to step outside of your business and also know when to ask for help. So sometimes I will find myself just in the grind. I'm in a momentum and momentum is so good, right? Um, I want to stay in momentum. I want to, you know, get a lot of things done, but sometimes it is important to slow down, step outside the business or, and, or ask for help, get resources because not just because being a solopreneur can be lonely, especially if you're working on a specific craft or content um, on your own, but because it's really important to get that feedback and teamwork. And I noticed that piece was missing probably six months into my career full-time as an artist. Like, wow, I, I feel like something's missing or things keep um, not working in a certain way or the way that I want. What's going on? Why can't I do it? And then I started getting that imposter syndrome. Like how, you know, I, and I thought I had corrected or I thought I had fixed my imposter syndrome before I went full-time in my business. Cause I knew I needed to get control of that before I went full-time in my business. So I did a lot of inner work and mindset work around that. And once I got into my business, like I said, sick about six months in that started coming back because I hadn't taken the time to work on that some more to maintain it, to stay consistent. Mm. Wow. Wow. More, more great insights here, Amanda. I just want to touch on a couple of them. So one you've mentioned mindset and mindset is so important in your career. And especially if you are an entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur, it's so important that in, in the show notes for this episode, I'll make sure that we include a link to what I call our kickstart your success course. And there's, it's a free course for anyone who might be interested, but there's a whole module on mindset because like Amanda was saying, it's so important as an entrepreneur. And even if you are, you know, working in corporate or for a small business to make sure that your mindset is really helping you to get to the things that you want and where you want to be. One other thing, Amanda, that I noticed in what you were saying about kind of switching to your own business was that about six months in, you noticed that things weren't, you know, necessarily lining up in the way that you had hoped. And that six month mark is, I really think a pivotal point for business owners. I see it in our clients who are business owners, but I even have my own six month story. So when I started my business, uh, you know, I had read all of the free, uh, you know, blog posts online and YouTube wasn't as big back then, but I looked at all the free stuff. Right. And I said, I can follow directions. I can just, you know, work this business. And, uh, I had heard about a business coach and I said, you know what, if I'm not where I want to be in six months, I'm going to hire that coach. Mm, And I said, so I've gave myself six months and I was doing all of the things, right. That they said Mm -hmm. to do online for free. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't where I wanted to be in six months. So I hired that business coach. So to your point, you know, I think that's kind of similar to what you were saying is when you realize you have to kind of stop spinning in, you know, maybe your own thoughts or what you think and, you know, perhaps get some help. The Career 101 Podcast is brought to you by Fly High Coaching, where we help our clients soar to their full potential. More and more professionals and executives are setting out to achieve their career goals. But without the right support, it can be difficult, if not impossible. Whether you need career coaching, interview coaching, or a professional resume, we're here to help. Check us out on our website, fly-highcoaching.com. So great point. So to Mm, kind of segue, what was that defining moment, Amanda, that made you want to start a business? Mm, Okay. So I was, so fast forward these um, other sales jobs um, (laughs) while I was at Groupon, I a recruiter reached out to me on LinkedIn and it talked me into joining insurance, becoming an insurance agent, a commercial insurance agent. 
Um, I was really enjoying working at Groupon, a sexy job, um, very, you know, hip. And I loved flying to Chicago to their headquarters and getting to work from home. Um, and I just thought of insurance super boring. And I was like, I really don't want to become an insurance agent, but thank you. But he was a great recruiter. He was very gentle in his um, sales approach with me, but very consistent. And um, he eventually convinced me of, um, by letting me know that, you know, insurance is residual income. Um, it'll always be around. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with Groupon one day. They've, got, they've only got one product. And that I'd be doing the same. I'd be a liaison between the company and the merchant, the, you know, the restaurant, the business, the, it could, but it could also be like a car dealership. It just depends on the markets of the agency. So I became an insurance agent. <laughs> um, so several years into um, myself as an insurance agent, I started getting really, really, I never really experienced stress <laughs> like I did in this career. And I felt just very burnt out. And I also felt like there was not really a creative outlet for me. And the other sales positions, um, you know, creating sales decks or presentations, there was a, and it was, there's a marketing aspect and a creative aspect to those sales roles. And there are some ways to be creative and putting together a policy or a presentation for an insured but not like my past marketing jobs. So I really needed a creative outlet. Um, and one of my friends encouraged me to, she said, what are you doing for fun? And I said, not, nothing really, because I've really got to build my book of business and insurance so that I can, you know, relax one day and I have account managers that can help me manage it. And she was like, no, you're, the more clients you get, the more married to this position in your book of business, you're going to be. And it's like, wow. Okay. That's a, that's a good, a nice slap in the face. I appreciated that from my friend. And she said, well, what did you love to do as a kid? And I was like, well, I love to draw and doodle. And I remembered everyone in my family used to say, she's going to work for Disney one day. She's going to be an artist one day. Wow. Like her, her drawings are so incredible for someone her age. And I couldn't stop drawing. I would take printer paper and old invoices and old junk mail from my parents' office and uh, draw on it when they were, you know, slapping my hand for drawing on all their uh, fresh new printer paper. We need that for the invoices. So I'd take old <laughs> papers and just draw on top of the wording or um, newspaper, like I said, junk mail and just draw on top of the words I needed to draw so much. And once I... I kept getting in trouble for it. I never understood that being an artist could be a career. So there just weren't the resources. I didn't know any artists. We didn't really go to any art museums. I didn't really have any culture around art. So I just thought it was just something fun and silly, quote silly that I did. Uh, so I put my childish ways aside once I, you know, became a teenager and said, I need to start focusing on getting into a, a good school and becoming a career woman. Uh, so sorry, that was a long oh, that was <laughs> um, great. story to get to the answer um, for me to answer your question. So I'm in insurance and um, I'm draw I've been drawing for a couple of months and people start friends that come over, start discovering some of my artwork and they start referring me without me asking to be commissioned by people. And I start creating artwork for people's offices and for them personally and, you know, I, I'm not even sure how to price my artwork at this point. I, I have no idea I can, you know, become an artist and that can be a career. So start looking into it. And once the moment it was like overnight, Portia, the moment that I realized, wow, you know, I never really took any art history classes or anything. The moment I realized that I could be an artist and that could be my career. And there are some incredible modern day artists that I can, that can be my idols and my role models. And I can follow, you know, how they've structured their business um, for their own uh, specific work. I thought, wow, what am I doing? I'm wasting my life away. And every day since that moment, that evening that I started realizing that this could be a real thing, 
when I would arrive at the office and I'd open the office door, it got heavier and heavier. Mm. And I remember there was one day I, I went in, my office was on one of the top floors, but the whole building was ours for the insurance um, office that I was in at the time. I pulled open that door and it was so heavy. It was, I was like, wow, this door is getting heavier and heavier. It was like a physical reaction. And I went to the lobby and I was waiting for the elevator to take me up and I started getting sick to my stomach. My stomach was literally sick. And I was, as I was walking to my office, I was feeling nauseous and I was like, am I, what is, I knew it wasn't, you know, me getting sick because it's just a gradual progression throughout the week. It only took like a week for me to get to that point. I felt a little bit more every day. And I was like, I've got to get out of here. I physically cannot do this work. And, uh, I remember I had this great client, um, prospect. It was a manufacturing business and, you know, millions of dollars in business, thousands of employees. And it was a great risk. It was a great potential insured. Um, they had everything, a fleet of vehicles, uh, workers comp, um, and I'd been working on their, you know, claims history and like putting everything together for the underwriters. And I called one of the carriers that I wanted to to get quotes on placing them with. And I called them and I was so excited, even though I was like feeling this way, I was like, this is a great business. And so that was kind of my justification. Like, this is a great, like, I'll keep doing my art on the side. It's fine, but I'm going to make so much money one day. <laughs> so I called the carrier and I said, wow, I've got this great risk and uh, they have workers comp. They're paying this, this, this. I, I already know you can get them better rates based on like what you came by and told me about some of your policies earlier this week. And he was like, Amanda, can you chill out? And I was like, excuse me? And he was like, you are just like too happy all the time. And like, I just need you to chill out. When And I, I was explaining this to him. I wasn't being over the top. <laughs> I was explaining to him in the same tone that I just explained it to you. But that was too much for him. And I was like, I got to let you go. And I hung up the phone. I was like, I'm not even going to work on this. I'll let the client know, you know, that I, I can pass them off to someone else. I can quote it in our office, but I'm going to give my notice immediately because I cannot work here. These are not my people. Mm. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, people. I have a lot of friends still in the um, insurance industry that are brilliant, you know, brilliant actuarial people. And it's just, but it's just not me. We need those people in the world very much so but it was not my people and it was not my place. I didn't fit in there. <laughs> um, so that was, those were the defining moments. It took less than a week. Wow. Wow. So it's interesting to hear you say that all of that happened in less than a week. So you kind of started touching on this, Amanda, but I want to, I want to dig in, you know, many of our clients and other professionals, they're scared to start a business around something like art, even if they're passionate about it. I've heard them say that art and other creative endeavors don't really fit into the business world. So what gave you the confidence to turn your passion into a business and start an art business? Yes. Yeah. Great question. So a huge part, I'm not going to lie, a huge part of it was I physically could not do that, you know, be an insurance agent anymore. I, it was physically in my body. I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. So I'm going to have to figure something out. So I did have a friend who's an attorney that had been asking me for some time to come join him as his marketing director. Uh, he had a small uh, law firm at the time. Now it's grown a lot. And I called him and I, I gave him the exact same story that I just told you. And I said, you know, cause we were friends. So I, I just, you know, gave him, you know, the story as it was. And I said, I can't do this anymore. And you know that I want to, and I told him, I was like, I can't, if I were to ever leave insurance, I would start an art business. I don't know how I would do that. I called him and I said, I will can I come to your office? I went to his, I left my, the insurance office and I went to his office right at that moment. And I said, I'm interested in working for you, but I really want to have this art business. Um, so I will work for you to supplement my income as I grow. Cause I was getting a little bit of commissions, obviously not enough to pay the bills, but I was getting, there was, 
I could see that there was an opportunity there. And if I'd leaned it into it a little bit more and networked and worked my business just as I had in the, my other past sales careers, that I probably would be fine. But I did need, you know, somewhat of a steady income for a, a little bit until I felt confident enough to leave um, or to start full time. And so we created an agreement. We negotiated a lot. And I said, I'll I'll work for you part-time instead of full-time. This is what I'll be able to do for you as far as your marketing and networking goes. And, um, you know, I'm also going to be working on this art business. And it's, you know, working with you, no disrespect, but it's a means to an end. And I just want you to, I want us to have that clarity. And he was like, all right, that's fine. So I did do that. And um, I found his, you know, next person to take over marketing, et cetera. Um, So I worked with him for a little while until I felt confident to leave. So that is one thing that I do share with people is that you do need to, like, like we were saying earlier, mindset is everything. And that's why I also believe working with someone like you, Portia, is so important. You really, if you don't have that confidence there your your yourself is trying to tell you something um your inner being is trying to say like hey we need a little bit more guidance or we need a little bit more clarity and that does lead to that confidence so and like i was also saying earlier like you've got to have your resources if you need the help it's not worth it to just try to make it as a solopreneur you're going to have to hire people to help you along the way with your mindset with your clarity with the organization of your business with just having a general understanding or someone to um, bring you to the next level. There's, I mean, you can't put a price on that as invaluable to yourself and to your business. Um, So that is so key. And I think that, and I will also say to people that are afraid to jump into their business or start a business, is that don't, you know, not ever start because you're afraid you're going to go backwards. I have met several potential entrepreneurs that are afraid to start their business because they're afraid it's not going to work. And then they're going to feel shame. I can't tell you how many people I've met that have had to, you know, take two steps back before they take one step forward. There's nothing wrong with that. No one's going to think anything differently of you. If, If they do, they don't need to be in your life. But if something ever did not work out, I mean, my, my art business is growing month over month, but there's always the possibility that something could happen. And I might need to go back to a corporate job or ask someone if I can work for them part-time or do something else. Um, I think having that past sales experience and seeing how other people operate their business was really helpful. Um, so if you're not wanting to take that, you know, roller coaster journey, like I did, again, you need to seek help or resources where someone can guide you and teach you what they learned along the way, um, so that you can feel prepared to navigate those business processes and have your resources in place, but don't be afraid to take a step back. If you need to, if you start your business and it's not working out, you know, go get a part-time job or do something. There's I met several people too that have started their business and they're really stressed out because there's just, they're juggling so many different things and they are giving poor work essentially to their clients because they're not, they don't have the time to step back and have that overall view or have or hire someone to give them that overall view. And they have so much shame around going back to earn some money to be able to hire someone like Portia or to be able to just get their eggs in or ducks in a row um, to have a fresh start or take a step back and be able to provide more quality work and customer service to their clients or whatever service they're wanting to provide in their business. So I think you really have to be prepared to not worry about what other people think as well. I find that to be very common. Um, And you've got to have the financial resources. And if they run out or something happens, you've got to be prepared to take a step back so that you can say, okay, this is what I did wrong this time and have that attitude of gratitude. I'm thankful instead of, oh, woe is me. You know, this is too hard. Mm -hmm. 
I'm glad I had that experience. This is what I need this time. This is where I need guidance this time because I'll give you clarity as well. And you'll be better the next time you start up. Absolutely. Again, so many golden nuggets in what you're saying, Amanda. I hope that the aspiring entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurs listen to this episode again, because I'm telling you there are great things in it. Two points. I just want to echo that you mentioned as you were starting your art business, you set up that arrangement with the law firm. And one exercise that we have some of our business coaching clients go through and our career coaching clients is they create an exit strategy, right? And so this is a customized Mm -hmm. exit strategy for you, but really having that in place can help you to feel like you're on the right track, right? With what you're doing. Also to another one of your points about people sometimes having shame around, you know, maybe not being successful so they don't get started or they get started and they have shame around it. So they don't want to ask for help. I was reading somewhere and I can't remember exactly where, but they were saying that your average uh, successful business owner is actually on their like between second and fourth business. So a Mm -hmm. lot of people's first business idea doesn't necessarily work out. And by the time you see them and you think, oh, wow, they're so successful. They're on business number two, three, or four. Right. So, um, yeah, I love that you have all these stats to back up (laughs) my experiences. I'm so valid. You are not alone. You (laughs) You are not alone, Amanda. So to talk more about Amanda Hamilton, fine art, what makes you different than other artists? I think it's my business experience and my, um, my personalness and my ability to work with the client. I've, um, I've met uh, several artists that I've um, pointed them in your direction because they've asked for guidance on the business side of being an artist, because you go to art school, you learn all, you know, great, you know, beautiful things about color theory and art history, and you feel very prepared and confident in the art world, but there's no business training um, around it. So I think being in sales really gave me that confidence and know-how. So you've just got to start. You've just got to ask. You've got to put yourself out there, whether that be in networking groups or calling. I've cold called asking people if they would like portraits um, before. So, and, and it works. It's the same as, you know, operating any other type of business. And I think a lot of people in the creative world feel like you can't do that or that's a sin in the art world to um, call on people, but (laughs) that art is just supposed to be as a being and attract people. Um, But I beg to differ. And I do notice that um, some of my clients, many of my clients, not all of them, but many are afraid to approach me about pricing because there is kind of that stigma in the art world. Um, You have to know and understand art to work with an artist or negotiate with an artist. And I use that term lightly because I don't really, I don't negotiate um, my art pricing, but if someone has a budget and they state their budget, I can let them know, all right, well, we'll skip the framing on this one or we'll go down a smaller size. I try to work with my clients um, for you know, to meet their needs, just like I would in any sales role. So I think it's easy to talk to me about what, uh, what the client wants, whether it be an art piece for their business or their home. Um, they can let me know what they're looking for and I'm not gonna get offended. I am here to, um, to problem solve for you. (laughs) I know it's kind of weird to say now that I am getting more into like the art world. You don't really, you know, a lot of the language is not the same, but I have merged the two together. So I think that makes me very different. And a lot of artists don't like that. And a lot of corporate people don't like that, but I don't care. This is my business and I get to decide how it goes and it's working out great. And my clients are you know, the clients that are attracted to my business and my projects and commissions and products are attracted to them and my company for that reason. So it's, you know, your people are out there. You've got to be yourself. I love it. I love it. So how would you describe your artistic style? Yeah. So it's, um, a lot of realism, um, since I'm doing the commissions that are mostly pets and children, 
Uh, I do like to give um, my own little flair with like a lot of impasto. I, I know people really like to see paint strokes and, you know, the, the movement of the paint, a lot of modern artwork that people, uh, that modern people are attracted to in galleries and that they purchase have like the paint drips and the, they like the paint sticking out of the painting instead of being flush because you can see that it's an original and you can see the work and the movement of the artist. And I really enjoy that too. I'm very attracted to that and other artists work. Um, so I'm always very inspired by it and I like to play with that. So my work turns out having a lot of that impasto and um, the thick paint and the brush strokes and, and a lot of movement and some paint drips here and there just to show that it is a painting. It's not a photograph. Um, and it just gives it a uh, more lifelikeness. Oh, there is a word that I like to use for it. And it's escaping me right now, but it kind of it immortalizes the painting a little bit. Um, that's not the word I was looking for, but yeah, it, it brings um, energy into the home or the space if there if you can see and feel the movement in the painting. So I like to add that um, to some of the realism because I want you to be able to recognize, especially if you're commissioning me for a portrait of your family, your child, or your pet, you need to recognize that it's, you know, your family member or your pet. And, you know, that's their smile. I know. That. And that's what I love hearing my clients say, like, that's our dog. That's our daughter. Like they feel their energy and they recognize, they feel that energy because they feel like they recognize their features, but also it's because I, um, I've gotten to know like the personality and I've created some movement um, or, you know, like exaggerated the dimples a little bit, not caricature style, but just like, you know, not exaggerated. It's not the right word emphasized. Um, so that's real. That's a really fun part of being an artist. Wow. Wow. And I've learned a new word today, impasto. I love it. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Amanda, we'll be providing a link to your website in our show notes so people can find you online. But what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? Uh, the best way to get in touch with me, email me at info at amandahamiltonfineart.com. I check my email several times a day. So that's probably the quickest way to reach me. Um, you can also DM me on Instagram. Um, my Instagram handles am ham fine art spelled just like it sounds. Um, so a lot of people do contact me um, that way as well. And I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. So if you prefer those platforms, um, I would be happy to chat with you. Okay, great. We'll uh, provide links to all of those as well. So Amanda, kind of as we wrap up, I want to know, how do you think executives or professionals can get a positive edge in their career? Mm, great question. I think it is so important to hear and see everyone um, if you want to have a positive edge in your career. I have, this has been a life lesson for me and I feel like it just keeps coming back to me and I'm constantly reflecting on it. People want to be seen and heard. And I think Oprah said that too. So I'm, I'm probably stealing this from her. I think she did mention that in one of her podcast episodes years ago. Um, but in relationships with your, with your spouse, with your children, um, parent child relationships, relationships with your clients, um, with your employees, with your coworkers, everyone wants to feel seen and heard. And if you take the moment, a moment to listen to the input that someone has to give you or um, recognize them for something that they want to show you or share with you, that relationship is going to go so much further. You're going to receive so much more respect from them. They're going to feel respected by you. It creates so much space and room for collaboration. Um, it creates a positive energy. I have just... Um, received so many positive benefits when I felt like I wasn't seen and heard. If I made sure to see and hear the individuals that I wanted to see and hear, hear me, uh, the, the results are just astounding. Um, and you do an excellent job of that, Portia. I, I learned a lot from you just by example. 
Um, I think you have, you do a great job of that in a professional setting, um, with your clients that you're working with that I've seen and experienced personally. So I, I feel like that is just the way up is just to recognize others around you and listen to them and and intentionally listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Amanda. Uh, and I completely agree, you know, when it comes to a career and also a business, sometimes I hear people say things like, oh, well, is this person important? Do I need to know them? You know? And I think when Mm. people are saying that, or they believe that they're missing, they're missing things. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a further conversation for later, but a, a lot of people think that way. And so if, you know, you happen to think that way, Definitely. Just take a moment to hear and see everyone like Amanda mentioned. So last question for you, Amanda, Uh, what have been the two biggest lessons or most important pieces of advice in your career this far? Mm. Um, So one of the most important lessons um, was one of my earliest lessons, and it was from that director that I mentioned earlier um, when you were um, when we're talking earlier about my earlier careers. And she came into the office one day and she'd just been promoted. She'd just been I forget exactly the role, but she she'd gone in in a higher position than her previous company and she'd just been promoted. Um, so there's a huge celebration in her office in the afternoon. Then she had a dinner and all these other events. And I was the first one in the office. It was like 7 a.m. Most people arrived at eight or nine. And uh, she came in and it was like 7.05. She came in right after me and saw me like setting up my desk um, or turning on my computer. And she stopped and she said, you know, I really appreciate you. And I appreciate um, everything you've done for this company. Um, But I want to tell you to enjoy the journey as well. And she said, I have been just like she told me when I first interviewed with her at that first um, company, she said, I have been carrying a briefcase for, or she said, I carried a briefcase for 30 years, meaning, you know, in the sales role um, before she started climbing the ladder. And she said, Every day, um, and she was a few generations older than me too. So it was, it was probably a lot more difficult for her as a woman in a, um, a corporate space. But she said, I work so hard every day wanting to have the title that I received yesterday. And when I went to dinner with my husband and then I left to go get drinks with my girlfriends And I went and I saw my kids, you know, this morning before, while they're getting ready for school, everyone loves me and treats me the same way my kids see me as mom. My husband see me, sees me as his wife. You know, my friends see me as their, their gal pal. And she said, I think that I was thinking people would love me more once I reached this point. And she was like, I'm probably still hungover from the night before. So, (laughs) um, so she was trying to like, um, you know, demean what she, or not demean what she was saying. She's trying to have some humility behind what she was saying, but she really wants, she was like, I do appreciate you working so hard, but I want you to enjoy the journey as well, because it wasn't the popping the champagne, huge celebration, huge recognition that I thought it would be. I was excited to get the title, but what I was looking forward to most was my girlfriends were going to be like, wow, you're the coolest girlfriend we have. And my husband's going to be like, wow, I really love that I married you. I have like this powerhouse wife, you know? Um, and she said, they did say those things, but I could feel that they said it because they wanted me to, they, they knew it would make me feel good because they love me and they want me to feel good, but they would have loved me the same themselves. If I, no matter where I worked or if I was still in the sales position and she said, so you got to enjoy the journey. Um, and then the other one is, um, don't work alone. And I know that sounds really ironic for me to say as a solopreneur, I don't have any employees um, yet, but I think it's so important to use your resources around you and to ask for help when you need it. And being a solopreneur can be a lonely journey as well. So if you've got to create um, relationships with other people in your industry, 
I find working with other artists and having those groups are just as important as uh, networking and meeting people that are going to be my potential clients. So um, I don't know if I ever heard that um, or that was advice I received, but that is a huge life lesson that I've experienced in, as a solopreneur because all my life in my career, I've worked in teams. I was you know, a salesperson. Of course, there's competition even within your own sales floor, but I always had support. I could go to account managers or my manager or the director I was mentioning. She always had you know, advice and encouragement for me. And I was really lucky to have that. Um, and now those resources come in the form of hiring a coach or um, asking, you know, hiring a CPA a la carte to help you with a tax question that you have. It is quite a lot. I see a lot of solopreneurs make the mistake of spending hours and hours on something um, that they think that they're going to be able to figure out themselves or that they can journal out themselves when it's so it's worth the cost a million times over to invest in someone that is an expert because as an entrepreneur, your time is money. And so you've got to, you've got to receive help from resources. You cannot not do that and be successful. Yeah. I, I could talk about that for days, but I think (laughs) you articulated that very well and succinctly. Amanda, you have shared so much wisdom with us today. I'm sure that our listeners can use it to be more confident, their passion and in their career and also their confidence. I, I hear that in this conversation a lot. So we appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here with you, Portia. Um, every moment I get to spend speaking with you is truly a treat. And I'm so grateful um, you asked me to come on as your guest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Career 101 podcast. I hope you have at least one key takeaway that you can use in your own career. Until next time, here's to your success.